the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. AM1280, The Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Feel free to weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. And oh, by the way, I failed to mention, if you have yet to do so already, give us a follow on our Facebook page. We're starting to become a little more active on our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And give us a follow or a like if you haven't done so already. And as always, we appreciate your support. Again, hope you are having a blessed Easter weekend. Beautiful weather this weekend, too, by the way. Couldn't... uh, couldn't ask for a, uh, a better weekend for it, that is for certain. Uh, continuing our discussion on the uh, trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, of course, accused of killing George Floyd. I covered in the first segment how there was some pr- uh, pretty damning testimony from a Minneapolis police lieutenant uh, indicating how Chauvin's use of force was totally unnecessary, uncalled for, uh, pretty damning against the former police officer. But what all you need is reasonable doubt for a jury to not convict. And obviously the, the most substantial charge is the second-degree murder charge. And again, that is indica- that indicates that if you kill someone while in the commission of another felony, that is second-degree murder. Well, uh, does Chauvin's actions rise to the level of a felony before killing George Floyd? Well, again... With this Minneapolis police lieutenant saying that Chauvin's use of force was unnecessary and uncalled for, perhaps that case can be made. But there is an al- there's kind of an alternate uh, talking point that has come up <clears throat> Excuse me, this past week. And this was from the uh, Hennepin County Medical Examiner's findings. This is from a CARE 11 story. Uh, new documents filed in the George Floyd case g- give new information about the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's findings in Floyd's autopsy. Handwritten notes of a law enforcement interview with Dr. Andrew Baker, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, said Floyd had 11 nanograms per milliliter of fentanyl in his system. Uh, Here is a quote. If he were found dead at home alone and no other apparent causes, this could be acceptable to call an OD. Deaths have been certified with levels of three, Baker told investigators. Remember, uh, Floyd had a level of 11. Uh, in another new document, Baker said, that is a level, fatal level of fentanyl under normal circumstances. But then Baker added, I'm not saying this killed him. Okay, so he, he issued a, uh, a disclaimer to that statement. However, uh, again, no idea what the jurors are thinking, but this, this definitely could give some reasonable doubt. Uh, The new documents say Floyd had a heavy heart and at least one artery was approximately 75% blocked. 
Uh, Dr. Stephen Nelson, chairman of Florida's Medical Examiner's Commission, who is not affiliated with the case, reviewed the new files and says that doesn't mean the drugs or health condition is what caused Floyd's death. We've all had cases where those kinds of levels come into play. You've got to look at the whole picture, Nelson said. It's one thing to die with something. It's another thing to die from something. The documents say Baker performed the autopsy before watching the videos of police restraining Floyd with Officer Derek Chauvin's knee on Floyd's neck because Baker wanted to avoid bias in his autopsy. In Baker's final report after watching the videos, he ruled Floyd's death a homicide caused by, quote, law enforcement subdual restraint and neck compression, close quote. The FBI asked the Armed Forces Medical Examiner to review Baker's autopsy, and they agreed with his findings, writing his death was caused by the police subdual and restraint with cardiovascular disease and drug intoxication contributing. So uh, this, this uh, and again, this, uh, by the way, this is from last August. Uh, just uh, one caveat, one caveat here. This is a, uh, a CARE 11 story that was cited, so this would have been a few months after George Floyd passed away. So apologize if I gave the impression that this was testimony that was given this past week. It was not. I don't think any coroners or medical examiners have taken a stand as yet this week. Now, obviously, that is what's going to probably be uh, the defense's star witnesses uh, because all they need is reasonable doubt. Now, no one is going to deny that Floyd died while in police custody. I mean, that I think that's pretty much been established. But is it possible that George Floyd would have survived that, you know, had he not had that amount of uh, fentanyl in his system? You know, that's that's what the defense is going to go after. And if they can find someone that can concur, yeah, it's possible he would have survived, you know, uh, had he not had that amount of fentanyl in the system, and then they will, they will probably also argue the defense. Well, you know, had had he not had that in the system, you know, he wouldn't have been as agitated, and therefore may not have resisted arrest. Because if you watch the body cam footage in its entirety, uh, you will see that at one point when Floyd was taken under arrest, he was in the back of the squad car, and had he just you know, stay in the back of the squad car and not continue to be agitated and, and attempt to resist, attempt to get out, okay, they would have just taken him under arrest. So, but that gets back to with the drugs he had in his system and being in an enclosed space, you know, did that exacerbate his condition of being agitated? Again, yeah, I, I'm no medical professional, no legal professional, but these are all the questions that are going to have to be answered. And, and you know, I, like most people who saw the just the nine-and-a-half, ten-minute excerpt of Chauvin's knee on the back of Floyd's neck, I mean, it was horrifying. And just on that alone, you say, you know, lock him up, throw away the key. And it's a good thing Minnesota didn't have, have, doesn't have the death penalty because he would certainly be under consideration for that. But when you see the entire body cam footage, uh, you it, it, it's there's more nuance to it. Like for instance, they went up to Floyd's vehicle. The officers went up to Floyd's vehicle, asked him to get out of the vehicle because they wanted to talk to him. And when he was resisting, that's when they you know uh, brandished their weapons and then placed him under arrest. 
And what you what you heard right there when they took Floyd under arrest is immediately he was saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. You know, when you have that amount of fentanyl in your system and it's impacting your heart like that, and like they indicated, there was already 75% blockage in one of his arteries, yeah, he's probably going to have a tough time breathing. But people, when they just saw the 10-minute video of Chauvin's knee on his neck and he's saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, it's like, you know, how cold, how callous, what a depraved mind that here this poor man is saying he can't breathe and he's not letting him up. Well, within context, he was saying that from the outset. So this is the officers heard this from the outset as a way of Floyd trying to, I don't know, get out of being arrested or maybe trying to further resist, what have you. But he was saying that while he was in the back of the squad car and under arrest. And again, whether that plays into the jury's decision, ultimately, I have no idea. But is there enough to, again, have reasonable doubt? And that's really what the defense needs in order for Chauvin to not be convicted of second-degree murder. But all that being said, uh, the one thing that bothers me most about this the reaction to this testimony, particularly the, the amount of drugs in Floyd's system, is people, you know, pouncing on how he was an unsavory character and he's got a you know sort of past where he's been in jail for armed robbery. Apparently he drew a gun on one of his uh, baby mamas, what have you, and I think even kicked her while she was pregnant. And none of that stuff is relevant here because at the end of the day, you know, George Floyd, you know, he served his time for what crimes he committed. He was out, uh, out of jail, obviously. Yeah, he had a struggle with drug addiction. He had a, his girlfriend testify that both she and George Floyd were, you know, addicted to drugs. And even talked about how they would use other people's prescriptions to, you know, get the drugs they needed. So, yeah, not, not, not an upstanding citizen. No one's denying that. But that doesn't mean that a police officer gets to be judge, jury, and executioner here. And again, I'm not saying that Officer Chauvin deliberately killed him either. But did he act with reckless abandon with this man's life? And again, I keep I keep going over and over that second-degree murder shouldn't happen. It should not happen. If I'm understanding this correctly, the only way you could get convicted of second-degree murder if you're saying what Chauvin did, which is authorized use of force by a police officer, uh, is a felony, then it's second-degree murder. Well, at the time, you know, the the use of force, now knee on the back of his neck is, is not a part, was never been a part of any pro, approved use of force, but again, the defense is going to argue it was on the upper back, technically, not the neck. But in attempts to restrain George Floyd, and the use of force to initially restrain him, I'm not talking about the knee on the back of the neck, was that, was that, a, was that all a felony? You're going to call, again, authorized use of force a felony. I don't think you can. But again, part of me is thinking you need to throw all of that out the window because what is the jury going to think? Because it's not unprecedented for a jury to issue, j- j- just issue rulings on their own or just, you know, kind of go off the reservation, so to speak. And in this day and age of wokeness and cancel culture where people attempt to dox you online if you do or say something that they don't agree with or they vehemently oppose, so if these jurors 
were to say, well, he's not guilty of second-degree murder, he's not even guilty of third-degree murder, but you know, involuntary manslaughter or second-degree manslaughter, and then therefore he'll get just a handful of years, that's not going to be enough in the minds of a lot of people. And therefore it's going to, they're going to try to find out who these jurors are and harass them where they sleep. And these jurors probably know this, that they're living in this day and age of people getting doxxed online. And so for fear of that, might they be intimidated? into giving Chauvin the harshest possible sentence? Or could some of them say, you know what, police officers have been getting, white police officers have been getting away with killing black men for far too long. Enough is enough. We're drawing a line in the sand. We're going to make an example of this guy. So what happened in the OJ trial. Have you ever watched the uh, that OJ uh, documentary, uh, OJ Made in America? They interviewed a couple of the jurors, and a couple of them said that very thing. They said, yeah, you know what? O.J. killed his wife, killed Ron Goldman. Yeah, we believe that. But you know what? Uh, Someone like Rodney King got beaten within an inch of his life by four white police officers, and they didn't get any jail time whatsoever. We're tired of this. So, you know, eye for an eye is kind of the tactic they took. You had one woman flat out say, one juror on the O.J. trial flat out say, yeah, yeah, I think he killed his wife, but you know what? It's her fault for sticking with him. She probably should have left him earlier. Seriously. So, again, I'm not saying that these jurors think that. I have no idea what these jurors are thinking. But the the fact that there were people on a jury with that mindset that had that in mind that viewed enough injustices that they're going to perpetuate they're going to uh, perp- um, perpetrate another injustice by letting OJ walk, okay? Who's to say some jurors aren't thinking the same thing here? So, Within the context of the law, you can try to make predictions of how it should go, but that certainly could be dramatically different from how it will go. So uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on this uh, as it progresses. Uh, Me, Brad Carlson, on this Easter Sunday. Hope you are having a uh, blessed Easter yourself. I know I am. Beautiful weekend. And we'll be back with another segment right here, AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Go nowhere. 